I have come here to Krakosia, and I'm all out of bubble. Really licked his ass. Are you watching closely? Welcome to Midnight Showing. I'm Nash, that's Luke, and this week the movie we watched at midnight was David Cronenberg's Scanners. Was it worth it? That's what we're here to tell you, and don't worry, we will notify you before we start spoiling. So, Luke. Set in the year of its release, we are quickly thrown into a situation with little to no context. Always fun. We start off (laughs) in a mall and are given a look into what it's like to be a scanner as a man stares at a woman and as she focuses on her, she begins to have a seizure in the middle of the mall. What is a scanner, you may ask? Well, that would be a spoiler, so I don't want to tell you in this world description. A hint, though? individuals with a telepathic curiosity the value of this movie lies within the odd and unique world description given to us within the movie so i wanted to make this world synopsis vague as well and i i think that's the perfect way to leave it off just because moving into this trailer i will say um if you listen to the last episode you're probably going to know why i like this trailer so much and it's probably one of the best trailers i've ever seen they pretty much it's like two minutes. They just used a single scene from the movie near the beginning that very interesting gives you little to no information. There's a small narration at the end and a title card in the beginning. And that's pretty much it. And I think it's perfect because it's like, what? It makes you want to watch this movie because you see something crazy happen. Dude, I feel like the last few trailers we've watched have been one scene trailers. Are you into the one scene trailer over a montage? I honestly think I think you can do both of them pretty well, but especially with a movie like this, um, it works so well to its benefit. Because if you had a montage trailer for this movie, there's only a few scenes that you could really use that are like action packed, you know, so you would kind of ruin a lot of it you'd throw a lot of cool stuff out at the window i think this works perfectly just because the exposition that we do here is goes hand in hand with the exposure we get to it if if they did a montage it would be a lot of uh staring and shaking with no context so i totally feel you on that <laughs> so uh, you, you want to tell me about this guy cronenberg morty yeah, so that's why we're skipping the writing section because, well, it was written and directed by uh, David Cronenberg. And uh, like Luke might have mentioned there, uh, for those who are Rick and Morty fans, this name might just be a little bit more familiar to you. Um, David Cronenberg is regarded as the pioneer of visceral horror effects, so much so that he's been given the nickname the Baron of Blood. Um He's pretty well known for The Fly, Crash, and I had seen A Dangerous Method a while ago. I think it came out in, like, 2011. Um, It's got a lot of big-name actors, and I didn't even know him as a director. That was probably literally the only movie I had seen from him. Um, But this one, (sighs) horror movie, I see why people would say that, Um, but... 
he de- you definitely see how he got that nickname in this movie, but it isn't like over the top. So I don't want to scare people away if they're not into horror. Um, it's more like a thriller, right? Was that what I, you'd say? I'd, I'd agree with that. I'd say it rides the line of thriller more than horror, but I would still classify it as a horror film. Yeah, it definitely has with the action that you do see in a few scenes. It definitely is horror level. So, Luke, who other than, you know, the guy that wrote and directed it is in the movie? Uh, Stephen Lack is playing Cameron Vale, our lead. Nash and I have some comments about him. <laughs> uh, then we got the legendary Michael Ironside playing Daryl Revok, um, our bad guy. And then we have Jennifer O'Neill playing Kim Obrist. She is another scanner. Then we have Patrick McGuhan playing Dr. Paul Ruth. You guessed it. His name is Doctor, and he plays the classic Doctor role who just knows everything. And then we got, uh, finally Lawrence Dane playing Brandon Keller. Um, this movie like has a lot of people in it but not a lot of them are in the spotlight it's really just like those ones so even though you meet other scanners along the way and like other people i'd say there's only like four or five really big players in what actually happens yeah i i'd agree with that um pretty much all of them very few of them get their own screen time outside of steven lack being on the screen as well so i think that's a pretty good indicator yeah um, the theme, I'm going to say it's going to be accepting how connected we are. <laughs> we'll get it. We will get into that. Um, first Luke, we got to give it a thumbs up or down. Another thumbs up. We're on a bit of a streak here for the good movies. I like this one. Another thumbs up as well. This movie is definitely worth a watch. Before we get into spoiling it though, there's this. Spoiler alert! <laughs> All right. So where do you want to start? Um, well, you know, I made that joke in the beginning. A- out of context, this movie is just filled with vinegar strokes, dude. You know what vinegar strokes are? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, yes. I've watched The League. I think I'm aware. <laughs> Everyone just, uh... <laughs> A lot of gnashing of teeth and jaw flexes yes yeah, I, I feel like forehead I saw, muscles yeah. bulging <laughs> too many vinegar strokes in this movie but i mean the place to start do you kind of want to elaborate on accepting how connected we are because i do agree that is probably a good theme to start with but when you say it like that it sounds like we're watching care bears so you want to no, kind of elaborate on that <laughs> yeah so i mean scanners the whole concept of the scanner right is to they connect with the system for the most part it's people but also computers and the telephone um they connect with the system that they want to so they essentially become one they share all of that with them and can impact it and near the end of the movie there's sort of this amount of denial that's happening even though it really is everybody's connected and we've also got sort of the two sides of people where some people like see scanners as just you know monsters or whatever which is fair given some of the scanners that we see but really they're just kind of people that have this ability at the end of the day they're just people 
So that does sound very care bearish, but it really is. There's a lot of connections that we sort of all have to accept and to admit by the end of the movie. And probably that last five seconds of the movie is probably the biggest connection that you got to accept. I feel that, and we, we can get in that as we kind of dissect it more. I'd say, um, I think when Dr. Ruth is talking to Vale when he's working with the yoga guy, he describes it as like, telepathy is not mind reading. It is the direct linking of two nervous systems separated by space. And when you say it like that, it sounds mad cool. But what I find interesting is that like, the people within the movie don't even necessarily understand what the scanners are. You know what I mean? Like, once we meet Cameron Vale, it's almost like he doesn't even understand why his life is this way. You know what I mean? Which yeah. can also kind of transition us into our conversation about him as a lead, because he plays um, an Anakin Skywalker. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah he's, he very much is sort of unassuming wouldn't expect a lot from him but in the end he's the hero he is the only one that could be the hero yeah exactly and and that's that's a pretty good point you made earlier too about how we sort of see him as kind of that degenerate and he doesn't know what he is and I, I have to like that a little bit more because I feel like it's almost a cliche nowadays when it's like, haven't you always felt that you are an outsider different <laughs> from everybody else? You know, we don't get that. We've got, I don't know what's going on. You know, you know how you've been staring at people in public places for a while and they always have seizures? You ever think that was a little weird? <laughs> yeah, and I appreciate that a lot more than just oh, we're all the same. It's like, yeah. no, it's like, yeah, here's something that can, you can do and it's weird, but we can try to help. <laughs> so let's let's take that first mall scene when we first meet him and maybe kind of just the first 25 or so minutes of the movie, the three main parts, right? So you get like the beginning where you meet Cameron Vale and he's in the mall and it's a weird scene. We don't understand what's happening. And then he gets captured and then he's strapped into a bed when a ton of people just come and stare at him. And that's the first part you get of scanners so you're like okay what the heck is going on then yeah. immediately after that scene you get an even crazier scene where the famous head explosion happens and even further you're like okay what is going on is this like a mind control movie it's exactly what it is but they don't tell you that right away and then um the third most important scene to my point is the round table of doctors that are just yeah bl blasting off exposition but it's done in like a really really good way because it's not exposition that's over explaining what's happening in the world of scanners but it's just little lines of dialogue that make you go wait what did he just say secret society of evil scanners telepathic curiosity assassins dude like it sounded yeah. that board meeting made this sound like an anime dude like <laughs> you know what i mean so like how'd you feel about how the plot sets itself up in this movie I really do like um, that scene where they do have the exposition because it's sort of largely in the context of, okay, our company. And that makes not every piece of dialogue is just exposition. A lot of it is focused around the fact like, okay, we need to do whatever is best for the company. And so a bunch of it is definitely just exposition for the plot that you need to know. But a lot of it is just kind of like, yeah, this is, I guess if we we're having a board meeting about, 
telepathic people. This is probably what we talk about if our company, you know, is the big one doing it. And mm-hmm. we looked like idiots. All right, yeah, we gotta do some damage. People are control. dead, so <laughs> pretty. How? Hey guys, how'd the conference in Seattle go? I've uh, lost six people. <laughs> what, they they quit. You, you fired them. Oh no, they're they're dead. Uh, it, was, it, was, it. it was a tough one. <laughs> Damn it, Jansen. How are we gonna cover our ass? <laughs> <laughs> uh. That's. But, yeah, that exposition isn't so heavy-handed as we see in a lot of movies where it's just a character is purely exposition. Yeah. Like, yeah, that you could almost label the Doctor like that, but the way they do it seems not such a heavy hand. It seems very organic. Um, those other scenes, though, I think it was pretty interesting... Um, when we first see, is it Cameron? Cameron? Cameron Vale is the main character. Cameron Vale, yeah. When we first see Cameron Vale, that was pretty interesting. Cause it's like, okay, there's just sort of like this homeless guy walking around looking for food to eat. Yo, what's going on? And then it's like, what are all these people? Like, how are those guys already there ready to take him down? Mm-hmm. So that's really something you can put on the back burner is like, wait, they were following this guy? Which exactly, I didn't, yeah. I didn't really, I didn't really pick up until sort of after the movie a little bit, where it's like they straight up were just following him that whole time, waiting. If this movie got made in the year twenty twenty one, I feel like it wouldn't be as cool because this movie feels so fresh in the way that it's describing those moments, you know? Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. It really, it has things that aren't it's concepts that you can digest right but they're not in the that formulaic hollywood crap that is sort of in most scripts nowadays like the the amount of discovery that you do isn't in isn't crazy hard but it seems very unique it's extremely unique, and that's why I'm trying to kind of, like, get my thoughts together as I'm talking to you about it, because it kind of, I think the closest movie I can relate it to is, like, Reanimator. Like, it feels like that kind of 80s horror movie where you don't really know where the plot's going to go. Like, you turn on Reanimator, and by the end of it, you're like, I just saw a, a headless guy, like, like what, you know what I mean? And this movie, you start off, you're like in the mall, this lady's having a seizure, there's all this stuff going on, you don't know who to trust, you don't know who anyone is, and then all of a sudden, we're like, 50 minutes into it in this dude's head sculpture, and people are given vinegar strokes before their head explodes, you know what I mean? So, like, how do you... Yeah, no, yeah. You you go, you go. That that is a really good point, because it's incredibly linear, you know, they don't play with time, the plot is very straightforward, but you don't really anticipate what the next move is going to be um, with the world that we're in. Like, I could not have guessed what was going to happen next or how the movie would have ended in any way. I was always gripped to know what was going on in the very next scene. And, you know, I Pro- think... Oh, sorry. Probably the only time I did it, which I couldn't even say it was me doing it, was like when the doctor was like, yeah, we I didn't tranquilize her in case she needs to defend herself. You're like, mm. It's like, oh, well, of course, we know that that guy's evil and that he thinks she's sedated, so of course we think he's going to attack her. Yeah. But that was two minutes before it happened, so it's not even like that big of a leap. They literally just told me it was going to happen, you know? So like yeah. that, that the movie doesn't really, you know... 
open itself up to being obvious. Well, in 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 that way, I would I would say that this movie almost feels kind of like a lucid dream. You know what I ooh, mean? Like it. The way everybody's moving doesn't necessarily feel natural to what we would consider. And the sound design in this movie is just insane. I watched it on my computer with my headphones on and like just the eerie tones that are going on just as mundane things happen. Like it really gives you the feel that we are not on the regular version of Earth. Like this scanner's world feels so dark and strange. A scanner darkly different movie keanu reeves animated i thought it was scanners it wasn't that was a hardcore um <laughs> distraction but anyway like it creates a dark world in an interesting way to the point of where by the time the movie ended i didn't even like really know who to trust or like what the point of all of it was which is the point of having this conversation with you but like again that's like a unique way to tell a story it really is and there's another point I'd like to make too with how I think we see like one scene where Cameron Vale goes to like goes to sleep, right? Where he just lays down on the bed and knocks out after he's been doing a little bit of scanning here and there. And it seems like that that are pretty they're pretty useful just to sort of like show how the character's doing, like in uh uh Fast and Furious, right? The first one. I know I'm taking this way off course here. Um one of the characters is always eating. Do you remember that? No. <laughs> well, one of the characters is always eating because he's been in jail. He's like, he just wants to eat f food that isn't prison food. In Ocean's Eleven, probably like all the Ocean's movies, actually, uh, Brad Pitt's character is always eating. And yeah. it's like those mundane actions, when you throw into the plot... They're very interesting because it's like, okay, we've all eaten, you know, like we can all understand, we can all empathize with why they're doing it and who that person is. And it's like, we get it from too, uh, Fast and Furious. We understand, okay, yeah, if I was eating really crappy food, I would go eat a bunch of good food too. That makes sense. Brad Pitt's character is doing it because he's so cool and doesn't really care what's going on. Yeah, I can rob a casino that's super secure. Let me just finish this Chinese food right quick. You know, it, it's very good at expressing a character without really having them do anything unique. But I think in this movie, it adds to that lucid effect that you mentioned, because we only get one scene of it. And it's after he uses his power and he just totally knocks out. Let's get into a discussion about him as well, because I feel like what you just said about like Brad Pitt and the guy in like Fast and Furious Cameron Vale, I feel like, other than the sleeping part, doesn't really exemplify any other examples like that. In fact, he feels really yeah. stiff and kind of robotic, which is why I said that Anakin Skywalker thing earlier, because you, everyone's like, well, Hayden Christensen just acted like a robot for all those movies. Vale feels like a robot for this movie, and I'm not really sure how much I liked it. I, um, I almost feel like it kind of took away from the film overall. Do you agree? Yeah, no, I definitely agree it took it took away from the film that performance. And I, again, we understand that it isn't always the actor's fault. Um, I don't know if you wanted to make this point. I'm going to steal it from you if you were, but the one about Hayden Christensen where it's like, okay, in that whole movie, what was it? The second one. Yeah. Attack of the clones, Phantom, attack of the clones. He acts like a whiny teenager, the entire movie. And it's like, if you look back at a new hope, the first, like, 
10 minutes with Luke Skywalker. That's exactly how he acts. The only difference is we only got it for like 10 minutes. Hayden Christensen, we got for an entire movie. (laughs) So it's like really those characters are acting pretty similar and their behavior sort of makes a bit more sense. So it seems more director driven in Hayden Christensen's case. But for this one, I really don't know whether to put the blame on the actor or the director. I just know it wasn't right. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you, was if you thought it was the character itself or Vale's performance that brought it down. I'm almost more on the side that he was trying to play a character with those attributes, but that's a hard character to play without it sounding really dry and mundane. Yeah, I want to ask you what you thought um, his performance, like what his sort of motivation came from, if you thought about that or not because i have my thoughts on it but i want to give you some time to answer before i steal another point (laughs) (laughs) well i mean you know when it when it comes to the character itself um i feel like we didn't know his backstory too well so by the time that he's learning how to be a scanner we're not sure what level he already was and then he does the whole heart control thing and it's like oh okay he does know what he's doing so for me it kind of it felt like that character was born in the mall you know like that was the first time he ever set eyes on the world was that scene he didn't have a childhood and as the movie continues in the ending we find out that that kind of is like what happened but because we don't learn that until the very end it kind of makes it hard to latch onto him as a character and i'll use reanimator again because herbert west is one of the best parts of that movie that character almost makes the movie and in this one cameron vale doesn't make the movie and i kind of want him to so it's again it's a hard thing to kind of debate about in my head because i think that was the point but i don't think it was executed correctly yeah and looking back on it when we first see him in the mall like as a homeless person like or I, I, he's homeless, but you, you know what I mean. I'm not trying to be mean or anything. When we see him in that state, he looks like to get to that point, you've got a backstory, you know, to get there. And we sort of learn his backstory, like being a lab baby, essentially. But really, though, if like I think about it, it feels like he's trying to perform like a blank slate. And I just feel like that doesn't seem very believable given the fact that he's like constantly essentially reading other people's minds when we see him. Like, I feel like that would give you some very distinct personality traits that wouldn't make you robotic. That would make you probably a little edgy, right? Mm -hmm. It'd make you quick to flight rather than fight or just sort of be there the way he is. He seems to just sort of exist and say things. He doesn't have personality behind him that I believe he would have, even if he was, for the large part of his life, being monitored. And we'll take take his brother, the bad guy of the movie, as another example, because we get that crazy scene where he drills the hole in his head for the third eye, which I thought was really cool. I thought that was a really cool um, trait of his character and the way that he looked and everything, but like clearly he's had a different experience that shaped him into this evil type of person. I just have to question why Vale um, isn't the same way or good. Like you said, he's a blank slate down the middle, and I just don't think it translates super well into the film. But there's so much going on in the background, and there's such a cool emphasis on what this world actually is that it doesn't like undermine the movie. 
it, it just kind of like the a tiny bit of flair is missing and that flair should have came from the main character yeah it definitely should have it just that's a very good point you made about him being so good like he's seems quick to follow orders but then he learns about this other sort of group of scanners that aren't related to this malicious cult so uh, it would be helpful for me to understand why he would be more in tune to go with them other than oh it's his power you know i would like to see some personality that leads me to believe he's more inclined to trust them yeah exactly Exactly. And I think I think that kind of just his whole character, it just it transcends through the movie in that way. So, like, do you want to kind of get into his brother, the bad guy, of the movie and kind of compare them in that way? Because uh, yeah. an another thing I'm not super satisfied with this movie was the way I guess I'm calling it his brother. What was what was the last name? It wasn't Riddick. I thought it was Riddick for a while, but it's, it's Revok. Revok, yeah. Revok, Riddick. Yeah. Same thing. Same movie. Vindy's whatever. <laughs> um, he was a puppet master. The only time we see him really get into it is when he makes the guy's head explode and then mind controls the people to shoot each other and shoot themselves, which was a crazy scene that opened up the movie that I already spoke about. But then I feel like that's really the only time we get with him until the very end of that monologue. And I kind of wanted him to be more of a force in the story than just being the puppet master. Like, like get rid of, of Keller. Like we don't need Keller in the movie. I would have rather just had Revic be the full bad guy instead of having his little puppet, you know? Yeah. Especially cause it's like, we know that's Revic sitting at the train station the whole time that I don't think anybody would ever question who that is. Yeah. Cause there's no allusion to any other character being, evil in that way or being the negative force um and it, it's hard to it's really hard just to compare him to the guy that was uh veil because ironside does i think such an incredible job being that character yeah i agree i i understand that character i believe everything that he does um it seems so genuine compared to this robot that we've got and that, as far as that puppet master thing goes, I think, see, the thing is, I don't necessarily think it's bad. I just think it could have been sprinkled in a bit more without um, making it seem sort of forced at the very end. Because that's really honestly like I, I don't have a problem with the movie from the beginning until like the last 10 minutes where it's like. It seems like we are getting exposition drilled into us, and that does seem a little forced where we're having to accept a lot really quickly without it sort of being present before. Like they're speaking about the drug the whole time and you kinda of, it's kinda of like in the back of your head and then they're like, Oh, they're putting it into um into into babies. They're they're putting it into un unborn children, which is like pretty crazy. That was a pretty crazy thing to happen. Yeah. But like you said, we don't get that revelation until the last fifteen minutes. And I just feel like the journey Vale is on is almost kind of hard to follow, not in the literal way, but thematically hard to follow in like what the escalation is, you know? And even yeah. like even when he scans people the only person whose head explodes is the dude in the beginning and i understand why you don't want to do that for every single person because then it's not going to be as cool or impactful by the end but yeah. he's, re he's really just making them do the vinegar stroke face and then they faint for a little while you know 
Yeah, and it's like I don't I didn't need to be told the baby thing because we saw that, you know, when he went to the clinic. I didn't need we I don't think we needed to be told that. That would have been it would have honestly, I think in my opinion, been have been would have been a way better story mechanic to leave that out in the ending and left the audience assuming how far it went because we already knew that the drug was being distributed to that doctor. Mm-hmm. And the doctor didn't seem to really have too huge of an idea of what he was doing. And so it being being forced down my throat that, oh, that's his brother and all that, combined with the baby thing, is a lot to handle. It's it's I feel like it's a bit of a gripe at this point, just because, you know, it's not it's not too bad, in my opinion. It definitely could have been better, but it's not it's not the worst thing I've ever seen combined with how unique the story is. It's like, I'm not even complaining about that scene with the computers. And I feel like, I feel like if that ending scene was good, that's what we would be complaining about. But I've got literally nothing to say about that scene. I thought it was done pretty well. And I I accept what happened in that universe. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's, that's a good example of like something happening. That's like, what do you mean? He can go into the computer. He can use it. Like he can use his scanning on the mind of the computer, but like it pushes the plot along and like takes care of all that Keller stuff. But yeah, dude, like, I, f- I feel like you can't have that crazy twist moment at the end without like building up to it with subtle hints and the plot is moving so quickly like we said you don't really know what turn it's gonna take like we said that by the end it almost feels like that was the most hollywood moment of scanners and i feel like scanners is supposed to be kind of like an anti-hollywood movie like this is yeah. not what you would expect from the box office but then they're like oh i'm your brother son join the dark side <laughs> <laughs> yeah <coughs> no exactly i i would totally agree with you on that point one thing I, I do think was pretty cool um, that they did do with like they used hindsight. They didn't use necessarily foreshadowing so much. They used hindsight, which was like when he gets explained to him that he had been followed like his whole life. That seems a lot cooler because looking back on that board meeting um, and we see the good doctor just being like, yeah, we've got only one guy, but, uh, I think he'll work. It's like in hindsight. Okay. Now we know why he'd work. He's been following him this entire time and it's yeah. his son, but we don't even need it to be a son. We just know he's been following him this entire time without telling anybody. That's really cool. Another thing I noticed that was in the beginning scene, like, you know how that car, it was another thing that seemed super Hollywood. You know how that car that wrecked? Like, it literally hit a cylinder block and just blew up into flames. Yeah. And that's like, oh, classic Hollywood action movie stuff that shouldn't blow up, blows up. But then we see in a ton of scenes with the scanners, a side effect of their ability is often things just get lit on fire. Yeah, some spontaneous combustion on top of that. (laughs) And so looking back at that scene, it's like, oh, wow, that really isn't just things in Hollywood blow up. No, that guy was straight up told to ram the car like that makes so much 
sense like yeah, scanning was going exactly. on when that car blew up <laughs> exactly i think it's a perfect example of less is more but i think at the end of the day i needed just a tiny bit more i don't want revic to be all over this movie because then it would have been more hollywood but that's really the only time we get to see him like in full power mode until at the very end when they're making each other's faces explode which was also wicked gnarly so yeah it's a uh, it's another example of me just being a little bitch and wanting more out of something (laughs) you know what i mean classic you know like i mean it's not like it's not it's not like the best opinion it's not super constructive it's not like i would have done it better it's just like i didn't love that it was done that way but it's just my opinion at the end of the day so like even though it's not done the way i would have liked it's still done in a really just amazingly cool way and another 80s movie that's like bro i would have liked this so much if i saw it five years ago why am i just watching it now in 2021 yeah and i think it's also interesting to point out that i think you and me are both saying we we want like you're saying you want more and i think i'm saying i want less oh (laughs) elaborate a little bit i like it (laughs) i i I think a lot of that exposition at the end he didn't need to be his brother that that is kind of irrelevant if you take that out, it wouldn't have affected anything. I didn't need the baby thing explained to me. It could have just been a simple matter of like, what do you, where do you think these scanners come from? We'd already seen that scene with the, with the unborn kid scanning. So we can already put that together. Mm-hmm. Like I think a little ambiguity, or maybe if this film was a bit more ambiguous, it would have been a way cooler ending because that open ending leaves room for stuff to just happen in your mind. It makes it more intriguing, but I do have to ask, um, how did you feel about him taking over Revic? I'm not sure what happened. That's how I feel about it. I don't understand why he absorbed his body. Um, I do think it was him at the end. I don't think that it was like some like, mystery thing where he was like lying to like get her on his side i do think that he did absorb her but honestly i don't really understand why it happened yeah and i i think that's something we should get a little bit into because i've been thinking about that since we watched it was i felt like i agree with you that i think Vale did win it wasn't a trick on revic to when and i think that is probably one of the biggest distinguishers between this being like a horror movie and not is the fact that the villain doesn't win in the end yeah okay it is that okay veil controlled him and i'm left with they were connected and so he was more powerful so he took control when his body got destroyed like he let his body be destroyed with Revic assuming that would destroy him, but because they were both vinegar stroking each other. <laughs> because they are both doing that. God, good Lord, I'm never going to say that again. Because they were both doing that, and he was the more powerful one, he took over in the end. Well, my my 
question is the burned body at the end which i found interesting because i thought that looked eerily similar to the artist earlier in the movie who was doing all those things i thought that looked eerily similar to that but the way that the body was burned on the ground was where ironside was facing that way so it's almost like the connection between the two nervous systems like took him over itself you know what i mean so like i really don't understand what happened like at all <laughs> oh wow no that that's a crazy point that no that is an incredible point because we see like a lot that's probably the 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 single most like uh uh, uh gotcha practical effects gotcha are, <laughs> the practical effects are very gruesome in that scene probably the most gruesome in that scene um and because of how intense that scene is, it makes sense. It doesn't feel over the top. But with that, thinking about it like that, yeah, do we? Maybe he was like tricking Revic into thinking he was winning or that he was in the different body. It's like that, that, gosh, you did, you made my mind explode now because now I'm going to be thinking about it even more. It's how, how, did they physically switch? Did they not? Was did Revic think? Because you know that scene, like while they're doing it, and he like holds up the fire right in his hand. Yeah. So uh, the way I see it, there are two ways. You could either see it as Revic doing that to him, or Vale doing it to himself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So my my interpretation was Vale was doing that to himself, um, knowing to destroy his body, but. It, that point you brought up, it just as well could have been Revic doing it and Vale letting him doing it, thinking he was doing it to Vale. <laughs> so Revic, okay, so Vale <laughs> let Revic destroy Vale's body, but Vale was already in Revic's body, if that makes sense. The only thing that doesn't make sense in my mind is why the body is where it was, though, because he was sitting down in front of the desk and the dude because... was on the other side of it. So that's the only thing that doesn't make sense <laughs> to me is where that corpse collapsed and why it was facing the way it collapsed. Right. I, I think I'm I think I'm if I remember correctly, that's the way it was. That's like the only hurdle in my mind for me. Like, I don't. Oh, so it could just be a continuity issue. <laughs> uh, it's it's got to be deeper than that, though. Cronenberg definitely didn't do that by accident. Bro. <laughs> he didn't Cronenberg uh, it up like that. Yeah. So but I mean, at, at the same time, like you said, this movie's so ambiguous just in general that like at no point do I even know the power level of Revic compared to Vale like I said because there isn't too much of Revic in this movie overall he's more of just kind of an idea and a puppet master so how much power do each of them have at the end of the day anyway like does he yeah. have the scanner power to overpower him I don't know and I think that's intentional as well uh, yeah no I definitely agree with that because looking at how they all interact it's like nobody really has a consistent power like we only we see that one guy's head explode, right? which would make you think Revic has more power overall, right? Yeah, yeah. That's I think that's why we, I think that's why his head explodes is it makes it look like Revic has enough scanner force power energy to overcome that guy trying to scan him and explode 
explode his brain. But then we also see people get lit on fire by different people at different times. We see Vale th- like force push people with scanner energy. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like I love that there isn't a grounded consistency. And sometimes when or that first time when we saw uh really the only consistent thing is sort of the nosebleed. Yeah. When somebody is doing just like a general scan. Well, I, I, as we talk more about this, I realize that I don't even really understand scanning that much because there's so many different levels to it. And uh, yeah, this movie, again, we've said ambiguous like eight times, but in a movie that's an hour and 40 minutes and purposely gives us so little to work with, it can't help but not be intentional. So my thought is almost that Scanners deserves an HBO miniseries like Watchmen, you know, like yeah. ten, 10 episodes, super deep and intricate. And by the end of it, your mind is just blown. I feel like Scanners is almost kind of the perfect world to kind of set that up or an anime like i said in the beginning (laughs) i would i would love to see it done like a blade runner reboot where it's the sequel but in the present there is a scanners 2 um i have no interest in watching it at all just wanted to throw that out there but yes i i I, I agree A, a continuation would be way cooler I think Michael Ironside has passed, if I'm not mistaken. Um, But how cool would that have been? Another Scanners in today. I I love it. Like, like nobody knows about any of that stuff, and they all just kind of, like, fell into the woodworks. Oh, yeah. And it's just slowly been growing and growing and growing. (laughs) We should call HBO. Someone Someone get HBO on the phone. Well, yeah, Michael, like Michael Ironside is alive, dude. He is seventy he is. years old. He's seventy oh, years he old. Oh, he could do it. He Damn. could do it. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I thought he was dead. He's an incredible. He's incredible. He's got a crazy voice. He did a lot of. I think he's done a lot of voice acting stuff. I know he was in Splinter Cell, but um, he that would be so crazy because thinking about it, the whole infrastructure was destroyed, right? Of the lab that was doing it, everybody that was close, and even all their computers with all the data on it, got destroyed. And so we know that there are baby scanners being born still because they've already been administered the drug. So there's definitely enough to go off a, a new reboot <laughs> with, the, with the same Ironside because Ironside is the good guy, I think. Yeah, right. I don't even know. So well, that would be a great crux to the whole movie is if it's even really him or not. I don't know. I straight up don't, dude. I don't know how to respond because I don't know. And I, I would love I think, to watch I think that. That's I, the point. Yeah, we're gonna get a petition going to get scanners forty-seven. Scanners two thousand forty-seven. Someone see if uh, uh, Ryan Gosling is available. <laughs> <laughs> hell bring in ford too let's just yeah, let's just get well. this let's just get this done right yeah but man god yeah that was how often do we say man oh, i wish they made more of i wish they expanded this universe even more because i want to know i feel like we only say that with really good things yeah yeah you know and again i think i think it's just a great example of another way you can make your movie another way you can make your film just the information you give us 
the amb- ambiguity in the ending and just you and I blowing each other's minds for the past 20 minutes, you know, dude, like I really, I don't know where I stand on this movie, but I like it a lot and uh, I'm a buy it on Blu-ray. So that's, that's, that, that's how you know it's one, it's one of loose favorites. <laughs> so uh, to really conclude Scanners, I mean, it's clearly a film for adult audiences uh, with the way it uses violence. But the way it uses violence isn't over the top. It's really just used to express the total force that scanners have when all they're doing is using their minds. The graphic scenes are intense, but like again, there are only like two scenes in the whole movie that are super graphic. The concept of it is gripping. It's filled with discovery using both exposition and exposure to inform the audience of the world that the movie takes place in which leaves it feeling incredibly organic. For the most part, we know exactly as little information as we need to make us want to watch more without it feeling forced. We're kind of stuck on if it's a cult film, because typically if we do a cult film, there's a massive following, um, which by that we can tell there are like hundreds of thousands of YouTube videos and all this stuff made about it. It's very easy to get information on it. This one, that really wasn't the case. There hasn't been that sort of fan-made content out of the outside of the movie. It, it's really not as preached as much um, as other cult classics are. So I don't want to say it isn't, but also if it is, it definitely has a much smaller cult following than other large cult movies. Um the largest negative comes from the performance of the lead, but again, we're unsure if that's really with his fault or the director's fault. Um, and it's honestly probably the most powerful note that we can make that the worst thing about this movie is the lead actor, and we still think it's an incredible movie. Yeah, well, again, dude, it's really... It could be so much worse, and I'm just saying it just to, like, be fair and, like, give critiques of something, you know what I mean? Yeah, you gotta point fault where it is, but the fault of this movie, it's so minuscule in comparison to how good it is that I genuinely think it deserves a much higher rank and really should be put up there with some some of cinema's greatest works with how absolutely unique and organic it feels. Well said, dude. Well said. Totally agree 100% with you. And with that, um, we're going to thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, message us at Midnight Showing Podcast on Instagram or email Midnight Showing with Luke and Nash at gmail.com. To stay in the loop for upcoming episodes and offer suggestions for the movies we watch and future content we can bring to you. Uh, be sure to check us out at ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com. And uh, Luke, next week's episode is something we didn't talk about it's our 40th episode nash so that means we're oh doing a terry gilliam film baby a terry gilliam special perfect perfect and um remember your donations keep the blue lights on i'm gonna suck your brain dry <laughs> <laughs> every time every, t- every time <laughs>